Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Uh, obviously, winter's not yet over, but uh, so far, the story in Europe has been quite remarkable. Uh, there were fears that uh, Europe might, you know, freeze in the dark, as it were, uh, with, without Russian natural gas. And yet, other countries were able to step up. The United States, notably, you know, countries like Qatar and others, uh, to ensure that there would be sufficient supplies of natural gas to meet the needs of Europe. And, and in Germany in particular, which is so heavily reliant on Russian natural gas, uh, they've managed to, to navigate so far this winter without it. it it's quite remarkable. Unfortunately, through all of this, Canada's been on the sidelines, kind of cheering from the sidelines. And yeah, it, it's unfortunate that we're not in a position to be a part of the solution here. Now, maybe that'll change in the years ahead. But I, I don't know. It's hard to be optimistic. Look, it's, it's not as though we aren't building up some LNG export capacity. The LNG Canada project on the West Coast is uh, well underway. Uh, should be uh, complete within a couple of years here. You also got the wood fiber LNG plant also on the West Coast, a little bit smaller, but certainly important. Now, there's also a decision to be made still here regarding what would be phase two of the LNG Canada plant uh, that would uh, expand that export capacity even further. I think everything that's happened over the last year should be a wake-up call. But is it? You know, we had recently Germany's chancellor in Canada last year kind of making the case for, you know, Canada being a part of the solution. Canada sharing its abundant uh, resource uh, wealth with other countries, being able to provide that. It kind of came away empty-handed. Just recently, we had Japan's prime minister, much the same. And again, coming away empty-handed in terms of any new commitments. Now, LNG Canada, wood fiber, this will help with our exports to Asia, but not for a while yet. So, why are we stuck in you know, the status quo policy when it comes to LNG exports, given the, the changing geopolitical uh, factors and you know, the economic case, just uh, above all of that? It was an interesting piece uh, in the Financial Post this week, uh, looking at the government's policy and, and how we've kind of let down our allies here. Uh, joining us to talk more about it is the author of that piece, uh, Kenneth Green, is a senior fellow with the Fraser Institute. Uh, Dr. Green, good to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. Good morning. Good to be with you. Um, so when you look at, you know, as mentioned, Germany's chancellor visits, Japan's prime minister visits, uh, and what they walked away with, which is really nothing in terms of new commitments, what, what did that uh, signal and symbolize to you? Well, I think it's symbolic of the, of the hard line uh, in the snow, as it were, that's been drawn um, by the prime minister with regard to the future of oil and gas development and its role in, in energy production, both domestically and globally, um, it, which is one of uh, transition away from uh, the use of those fuels. And, and I think it, it, the fact that, that even in the face of crises like this, these recent ones where literally you have two countries uh, with, with uh, their trading partners with shared values uh, facing uh, possibly uh, catastrophic and even lethal shortfalls of energy, uh, for reasons beyond their control, Russia declaring war against Ukraine, um, and Canada uh, having the ability to intervene and help 
but sits on its hands and does nothing. Um, you know, it, it's, it really shows that, that, that the commitment to the, the opposition to, to uh, oil and gas um, development and use is deeply, deeply entrenched in the, the current uh, government. In fairness, though, is is there a lot more we could do right now in the short term? I mean, the LNG Canada project is is underway. Construction continues. It's a couple of years away or a year or two away anyway from, from being complete. There's, there's not much we can do to, to speed that up, for example. So what, what more could we be doing right now? Well, you're right about that. I mean, in fact, I've written about this over the years. Uh, Canada has been very slow to the to into this game or into the market for for national gas international trade, um, and there have been many many opportunities to get there before where where we could have. Now you're right. I mean, we can't on a turn on a dime suddenly yank gas out of the ground and and get it over to Germany or get it over to Japan in real time during the current uh, crisis. On the other hand. Um, Expectations are real in the energy world, right? And so there is a, I think there is a, a sense in which signing contracts or agreeing to future exports would send a signal to markets that the problem will not be allowed to become, uh, critical and lethal, uh, and therefore will, I think, um, reduce, sort of, sort of tamp, tamp the brakes on, on panic about it and also um, have others say, yeah, let's get in the pool because we're going to solve this problem um, by, by producing more natural gas and getting it on the market. Uh, so, you know, I, I think there's some example. We, the, the, I know the government likes to, loves to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Um, our prime minister is very big on the whole concept of leading by example. Uh, and one of the ways that they could lead by example is by saying, you know, we will step up when, when, the, when there's a shortfall of energy and we can provide it with an environmentally superior profile to alternatives. We'll step up. Uh, and I think that would that would help in the real ter- in near term as well as the long term. Yeah, it would. Let's talk about the environmental side of it because obviously these projects do have opposition. I know the the story uh, just recently, the LNG Canada plant is going to be powered by natural gas uh, as opposed to uh, electricity. And so environmentalists say, okay, well now this this project has an even bigger carbon footprint. But what is the environmental upside to developing and exporting LNG? Well, I mean, you have to look at the, you have you do have to step back for a second and look at the big picture, which is much of the world's power comes from still comes from coal, uh, and um, which is a much more polluting uh, way of generating electricity and power. Uh, and the world still needs to transition away from the use of coal uh, for the sake of reducing environmental impacts, including climate change, but there are also uh, especially localized air pollution uh, around the world um, and the impact of, of mining, coal mining, and waste. Um, and and the, the alternatives uh, are few that are actually better in their overall environmental footprint. Natural gas is one of those alternatives that is superior, despite being a greenhouse gas. Um, in, in virtually every other environmental parameter, it's a, a superior alternative, certainly to coal. Um, and um, in fact, I think what's, what's turning out to be the case is it's also a vastly superior alternative to the so-called renewables, wind, solar, and biomass, um, which are turning out to have spectacular and electrification of vehicles, which is one of the, the prime ministers and the government's current fetishes. Yeah. These are all turning out to have uh, quite devastating environmental impacts, um, even as they fail to provide the power that's necessary to maintain um, society's quality of life and, and standards of living around the world. So 
uh, you know, I think I think that's that's where the role of the natural gas is going to come in. I think there's a realization that's going to happen that it really is uh, it's a, a bridge fuel to the future, but it's a very long bridge, and we we will not be getting away from it anytime soon uh, without disastrous effects, really. Well, and it's an important point in the context, not just of the government's own uh, electric vehicle targets, but this broader conversation about the, the transition. Uh, you know, we, we seem to be putting the cart before the horse. Like, well, what are we transitioning to? What are we transitioning workers to? Well, that's right. And, and, and there's, a, there's a Canadian energy uh, guru. He's one of my, my, my great energy gurus, Vaclav Smil, who has written about this uh, uh, for many, many years. Um, Energy transitions uh, take place over 40, 50, and 40 and 50 years, if not longer than that. Um, and um, that's, a, that's a hard reality that, that simply, if you look back and, and document what, how they happened from wood to oil to uh, gas to uh, development of nuclear power and others, these are very long, slow transitions. And yet we have been acting in the last 10 to 15 years. It has become glib uh, to talk about a rapid transition uh, and to uh, put magical numbers and target dates on them, uh, zero, net zero 2050, the midpoint 2030, which is now only, uh, what, eight years away, seven years away. Um, and, and, but it's a defiance of the actual reality of history that energy transitions are slow, unpredictable. They, they, uh, they are um, halting and complex uh, and, and really... Um, we need to we're, 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 we need to to be more humble in our expectations of what we can do in terms of moving them along, uh, since they're they're really bigger than any one country could possibly uh, affect. What's well, the thing? And you know, Japan and Germany aren't asking us for hydrogen. They're not asking us for solar panels. I mean, they're, they're asking us for LNG. So, you know, that's the reality of the now. That's the reality of probably, as you say, the short to medium term. And it, it, one doesn't have to be at the expense of the other. We can continue to to innovate when it comes to hydrogen and other alternatives. But you know, there, there's there's the reality of today's energy needs, right? That's true. Eh? We we can now. Now, I I I often do scoff at the whole all of the above thing because. Really, if, if something is not uh, not efficient, uh, we, we shouldn't pursue it. We do have limited resources. Uh, and so this idea of green hydrogen and all of the other sort of uh, wishful thinking, uh, renewable energy, uh, many of the renewable energy targets, I think uh, we shouldn't be doing all of the above. We should be actually exercising strategic judgment and planning and how we invest. Um, but, uh, but you're, 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 you know, I think, I think you're, you're right. We can, we can certainly be making natural gas in the interim regardless of whether those other technologies work. And um, we can be doing it to the good of, of societies that have our shared values, our own good. I mean, this is, you know, this really isn't, it's not one of those complex analyst things that you have to, have to write long consulting reports about. Um, Canada has a, a resource that they could be trading for a, a good, goodly amount of money, and Canada's economy could use that, that income. Uh, it's a better alternative than the other avail- available alternatives for generating energy. It's more humanist to help our allies and our po- geopolitical allies. Um, and it, it, it's simply it, it's simply common sense that we should be doing that now, regardless of whether or not the government is still fixated on its rapid transitions to alternatives. Indeed. Well, as mentioned, your latest, it's up at financialpost.com or at uh, fraserinstitute.org. Ken, thanks for making some time for us here this morning. Appreciate it.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.